Greetings both history fans and film fans. If you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at History and Film. It's a good way to know when new episodes drop or just see other interesting history or film tidbits. And if you have any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email me at simmons at tracknerds.com. Enjoy the show. So yeah, welcome to History and Film, and we are in the middle of discussing this TV series Vikings. Oh, I feel like putting an, an asterisk here in that, honestly, as I'm going through the notes of, you know, the summaries of all the episodes from season two here, and it's been so long ago since I listened, or sorry, since I watched those episodes, I just feel like this isn't going to be the best breakdown of the TV show Vikings. It's just going to be our usual thing of a launching point for a conversation about some of the things they touch on. And I'm sure there are other yeah. places, not, not to send people away from our podcast, but I'm sure there are other people that do a more of a detailed breakdown that we're going to do just frankly because we don't have the time to then sit down and watch, to record right after we watch these shows or to frankly rewatch them as we're kind of moving on with a million other things uh, right now. Right. This is a lot of the time in our movie episodes. I think we strike a pretty good balance of discussing the film and discussing the historical. Because it's one like, thing oh, that we watched thing. recently. This is this is right. 10 episodes, an hour each, that we watched three years ago. Right. So <laughs> this is this is definitely skewing more towards the history side of things. Oh, right, because I don't remember the plot details, and I'm looking at it, it's all these betrayals and double crosses that are all made up for the show anyway, so it's like, they're right. not super important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that being said, like, watch the show. It's good. Right, and there's lots of fun historical stuff that I that I do want to get into. Uh, and, then, and then also here, so yes, June, June uh, 2022, and we are going to be beginning American history, one film at a time this fall fall and we just kind of wanted to keep putting out content instead of going on hiatus like we had in the past right uh, one thing i wanted to start with the bat that we did not mention last time that i just stumbled across this morning that should have been maybe obvious to us and uh since you didn't mention it i'm gonna guess you're not aware either <laughs> we love our game of thrones references and we mentioned last week that we were really only going to focus on northumbria mercia and wessex without getting into all the weeds of the rest of the various kingdoms throughout the island of Great Britain at this time. But it's worth mentioning that those three are part of a pretty strong group of seven kingdoms of the Anglo-Saxons <laughs> uh, at this time. So they even call it a heptarchy on, on Wikipedia, or I'm sorry, that's, I mean, Wikipedia didn't make it that up. These seven Anglo-Saxon kingdoms are called a heptarchy. So again, seems a pretty obvious George R. R. Martin influence that you had specifically oh, seven yeah. Anglo-Saxon kingdoms. Plus, if you've ever looked at like the fictional map of Westeros, it looks very much like, like Great Britain. Yeah, I was gonna say it's Great Britain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it is <laughs> almost exactly. You're right. You're right. It, if anything, it might be flipped 180. I feel like horizontally, roughly, and then just kind of yeah. But uh, like the yeah. shape is yes. I mean, even with you know, yeah, yeah, like the. Like the Starks up north and like what would be Scotland. Right. The, and, yeah. the wall is almost exactly where Hadrian's Wall is. The Wildings are the Scots up, up north of the wall. And yeah, um, and then the Seven Kingdoms of the Anglo-Saxons are all below that. Yeah, very much so. And then you could even argue that maybe like the Iron Islands or Wales or Ireland kind of off the coast there. Sure. But again, that is specifically just the Anglo-Saxons. So if you're looking at a map of the United Kingdom, or sorry, the map of Gr the island of Great Britain from this time... Again, what is now Scotland is not part of that. That's not where the Anglo-Saxons were. What is now Wales 
is not part of that. That's not where the Anglo-Saxons were. So it's kind of that Northumbria we mentioned last time in the middle there, kind of up to Scotland. Mercia kind of more in the center. Wessex down in the south center. But then I will mention, the, we mentioned the East Anglia as well. And then I did, I did just to round out the seven, they are names people might be familiar with. The other three of the seven Anglo-Saxon kingdoms are Essex, Sussex, and Kent. So mm-hmm. names I think everyone's at least heard of. And then, yeah, those those seven all together then are the seven kingdoms. So, again, I just kind of like the, the King of Thrones reference there. And if you have not seen the show Vikings and you're thinking, what, what, why are you talking about England? Uh, so, yes, the, the show deals heavily with the Viking invasions of England in both the first and second seasons here. And, and we, we continue visiting the English throughout, but really heavily, it's the main focus of the first two seasons for sure. So we start off with, uh, so season one, again, if I'm kind of remembering or reading these notes correctly, kind of ended on, not necessarily a cliffhanger, but this, this hangover, this battle with uh, Rolo had betrayed Ragnar and was fighting for the other side. And I'm still a little shaky on the whole, y'all, Borg, who's, they all betray each other so often, I can't keep track of who betrayed who, when, yeah, what episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's not even... That's not even the only Rolo Ragnar betrayal in this show. Like, exactly. There's such a on again, off again to, <laughs> to all, basically every relationship. Like even with, you know, Ragnar and Lagertha and Ragnar and Floki. And it's and it's all fueled by <laughs> ambition and jealousy and stuff. And honestly, that's why I actually got a little fatigued throughout the whole series is I felt that by the time we get to season five, season six, it's all just lather, rinse, repeat, and it's just that same betrayal and and jealousy over and over again with different characters. So I just kind of right. saw it as repeating itself like, too much. In the in the first like three ish seasons, it's you know Floki, Rolo, Ragnar, uh, Ekber to a certain extent. Like they're the ones that are going through all the betrayal and the and the makeups and breakups. And then in the in like seasons four, five, and six, then it's like Ragnar's sons, right? Basically, all have that exact same thing. Yeah, Ivar and Sigurd and and Bjorn are all doing the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so a big thing early on is Ragnar wins. They Rolo. Well, actually, even in the battle, Rolo, I think, has if I remember right, has a chance to kill Ragnar and just can't bring himself to do it. Even though they're on opposite sides of battle, he just can't kill his brother. Um, Rolo's side loses, and Ragnar ends up ultimately kind of forgiving him. And again, that's kind of a quick gloss over of a lot of events here too. But the big thing is Ragnar's shift in <laughs> women. He's at the end of season one, he met uh, Oslag and and got her pregnant and would kind of like to keep both women. And Lagertha is too proud and is basically like, yeah, no. Uh, and I think right. we mentioned last time that divorce was allowed in the Viking culture here. So that, that could totally be a thing. We see a few times throughout the show where guys take on multiple wives and i think that was probably okay yeah. as well but d- divorce was definitely a thing it was all it wasn't even really like it didn't even have to be like an official ceremony or official procedure or anything it was like i mean there's times in the show where it's like oh this is my wife and then they get in a fight and she's like i'm not your wife anymore and the guy's like okay <laughs> <laughs> true it wasn't like they had to go down to the courthouse and file paperwork <laughs> right in the yeah. ninth century <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like uh you know, some other dude will show up. It's like, yeah, I'm go. I'm I'm with him now. It's like, oh darn, all well, I'm bummed out. But you know, what am I going to do? 
<laughs> they did still have ceremonies to make it official, though, because like we see with Floki yeah, I guess uh, and his girlfriend that kind of becomes his wife, I think, is during this we season. See weddings and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So still, still definitely religious ceremonies tying to all that. Yeah. But the divorce definitely seemed less official. It was just kind of like, yeah, we're done. Right. And then Lagertha takes Bjorn with her and goes off to Hedeby, which in the show, I feel like they just make it seem like, oh, yeah, that's just a little ways away in another part of Norway. But so unlike we mentioned, Kattegat is fictional. Hedeby's real, but it's in Denmark. So I don't know if the show is giving us a fictional version of Hedeby that is up in maybe the Norway or somewhere near Sweden or if she's actually going across the water to Denmark. What, what, what's well, your opinion on that? To. Well, I think they would have to because not, not only is it in Denmark, it's on the west coast of Denmark. So it's like all the way on the other side of Denmark from where Kattegat, I, I guess, is supposed to be. You're right. And they make it almost Kattegat. seem like it's just like a four-hour ride away, right, or something. Like they don't make it seem oh, like Oh, yeah, because there's, there's times where they're just like going back and forth. Okay, so it, so they, it must be a fictional version of Hedeby then, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to gauge sometimes how much time it takes for them to travel well, that's from one place too, to another, right. but there are definitely times where someone will go from Hedeby to Kattegat or vice versa, and it seems like it's the same day. Right. Or Yeah, you're right. it definitely doesn't seem like a weak jump or whatever it would have to actually be in real life. Right. And, well, and also, not even um, by boat. Like, there's, like, people will just walk. Or on, on a horse. Oh, right. so they're not crossing water. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is interesting, too, because then you could be like, okay, well, it would almost make more sense to put Kattegat in Denmark. It's almost interesting that they chose Norway. I mean, obviously, the Vikings in Norway, but even like I think we mentioned last time, too, the legendary Ragnar is actually more associated with Denmark than he is with Norway. So you made up Kattegat, oh. you used the actual Hedeby, you got Ragnar, so it just makes sense to be in Denmark, and they're like, nah, let's go with Norway, it sounds cooler. Like, I don't know, and, and, and Norway is more of the, so of the three, you know, Norway is kind of the, quote, pretty one, so if you're going to, like, have the cool nature and the cool cool fjords, Norway is kind of the scenic one. I And I've I've never looked, where do they shoot the show? Oh, that's a good thing to look up. <laughs> Looks like they kind of film in multiple places, it says the the series began filming in Ireland and then okay. some long ship scenes were filmed. Oh, that's also Ireland. So actually it looks like the sea, uh, a lot of the shows filmed in Ireland. Hmm. Now again, Ireland actually does have a lot of those kind of Norway type, you know, cliffs and stuff, but actually, and, I mean, cutting ahead to the end. So I actually had to look this one up. So, and I, and I had kind of forgotten. So <laughs> spoiler alert to something we're going to talk about here at the end of this episode. <laughs> anyway, uh, in the last episode, when Ragnar does become king of Kattegat, and I actually don't remember this, but it says he is sitting atop the iconic cliff Prikstolen, Prikstolen. And I looked that up, and it basically, I think it just means like preacher's pulpit or something like that. And it is this kind of iconic rock in Norway that kind of juts mm-hmm. out into a fjord, and it's just absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. So obviously, if the show was putting him there, they probably filmed it at the actual location which is in norway so i think they're just kind of all over but it does look like they film a lot in ireland yeah i i found a a listicle on travel.earth that is viking filming or vikings filming locations in ireland you can actually go see and it's like a whole list of like these different places you can go in ireland and then like what was filmed there 
So. Oh, nice. And a lot of that just comes down to there's various cost things that go into. Obviously, you want something that looks right. And if Ireland looks good enough and it's cheaper to film in then you're gonna do that and then just go to norway or other places when you kind of need to to get certain shots yes it's it's like all the movies that are shot in vancouver because it's just i guess it's like production costs are really low there and also vancouver i guess has a certain quality where they you can it kind of looks like every other city (laughs) yes like you know you you have like you can have like a skyline shot of like new york city and then just like film all of the everything else in vancouver and no one's gonna know yes i think yeah i think toronto is used for that as well or i think google hunting might have been like filmed in toronto as a stand-in for boston or oh something. really i i don't quote me on that's that surprising because that boston is almost a character in that movie <laughs> do we need to look that up real quick too now i'm curious now i'm kind of curious it says toronto yeah okay yeah Many of the she- many of the scenes oh it says many of the scenes were shot on location. No, right. But many of the interior shots were filmed in Toronto. Oh, interior. University. So yeah, okay. With the University of Toronto standing in for MIT and Harvard. Oh, huh. Okay, so, so that, that Oh, the classroom scenes are all in Toronto. <laughs> right, cuz it, yeah, it's one thing to be shooting, you know, to shoot on the streets of but then to be like setting up a you know a set inside mit or harvard there is probably uh just unrealistic yeah yeah it probably doesn't happen very often well, you can do all. it and do it in, at the university of toronto for a third of the cost or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so did ragnar go to mit i'm a little confused <laughs> i guess he's just legendary we can make that part of the legend right <laughs> well you watched the social network a million times what are the three myths of the statue is one of them about ragnar lothbrook uh, yeah, that actually the stack the yeah that statue is um, it's of Ragnar and it was made by him as well. So oh right, and he okay. actually found it. Yeah, because it's the so. statue of the three lies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about first a couple things real quick that we didn't really talk about from season one. Not to be it's been more than even just thirty seconds here on, on them is disease. Uh, Ragnar and Lagertha do lose their eldest daughter to disease, kind of an unnamed disease that's, you know, probably some version of the plague or something like that that they show. And those were, even though the biggest bubonic plague strikes were later than this, there were just waves of these pandemics and outbreaks forever throughout human history. And obviously, before any kind of modern medical technologies or vaccines and stuff like that. Before vaccinations... And in a time where people were living in very close proximity to cows and pigs and chickens that today we know are like right. big time spreaders of for disease. So Yeah, I've seen videos that talk about yeah, all the time. how the, well, we've probably talked about these before when we get to like, you know, Europeans in, being introduced to the Native American populations and how that's just spreading disease. And yeah, just, and the, the CGP gray videos just kind of breaking down. Yeah, basically all these Europeans had all these diseases because they lived with their animals. And then basically the Native Americans were more spread out and not in these giant cities with their animals. Right. And so they're what, they, they weren't creating the same diseases. Animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of these pandemics do happen when you kind of get an animal to human crossover of some of some virus or bacteria that just kind of then runs rampant through the human population. So, yeah, so we do see that a little bit in season one there. And then they mentioned the River Tyne in well actually i don't know if they mentioned it in the show but just one of the i just kind of want to always have a little bit of what geography they're getting right versus making up and at least in the notes summing up the episodes they mentioned some events on the river tyne and that's that's over when they're over in england okay so it, it's a river that would kind of be up in where we see northumbria 
So it kind of goes to modern day Newcastle from the Atlantic Ocean there. Or sorry, I should say from the European side of the Atlantic Ocean, the more the North Sea. So kind of the North Sea goes into the River Tyne. So it would have been something that probably something we talk about the Vikings being able to sail up river. Definitely the kind of river that the Vikings could have sailed up to uh, into Northumbria to kind of hit that area. But I don't. I don't think they mentioned the town Newcastle or anything. Oh, it's even called Newcastle upon Tyne, maybe. So the River Tyne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Yep. And the last one was a character that we didn't mention. And again, not that he'd be historical at all. But I'm curious to look a little bit more into this type of role. But the seer who kind of plays. He's actually one of the few characters who is in all six seasons that we see this seer guy yeah. throughout the entire series as this kind of almost like even not alive or dead and he's not of this world or of the spirit world but also kind of both and they kind of use him as this conduit for prophecies and and to the gods and stuff and he kind of speaks in riddles yeah. and it's, it's kind of a cool concept but i don't know i mean i haven't done any research i mean obviously this particular <laughs> one is invented for the show i don't know to what extent norse religions had these types of prophets and to what extent it's just kind of well it's in the show he's i mean he's definitely a physical person because we see people having conversation but he's also it's not entirely clear whether he is completely human there are uh scenes like for instance in i think it's season four when ragnar is spoiler we're going to talk about it anyway but when Ragnar is in the caged carriage going from Wessex to Northumbria. Oh, yeah. And he is having this conversation, like, the carriage driver becomes the seer, and he has, like, a whole conversation with him, kind of in the spirit realm, because then we see, like, the end of the conversation, the carriage driver's like, oh, who are you talking to? Like, it's, there is definitely some weirdness going on with the seer. Is he based on like a god or some sort of? So I did just honestly, I just I just googled Norse seers, and uh, this is not Wikipedia, but I found an article about the the <laughs> the vulva. Can <laughs> um, <laughs> I say that without laughing? That's what it says. I don't know how else to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, okay. The the vulva, which is actually what. Wikipedia also called uh, Oslag when her prophecies start coming true. So it is basically, mm. well, sorry, I say that. This article says they are female shamans. So obviously the, it's a, the guy in the show is male. So, and obviously the seer is decidedly different than what we see from Oslag. She is definitely kind of a little bit different. Okay, here's the Wikipedia page on uh, Old Norse seers. It's actually kind of spelled S-E-I weird O-R. Oh. Okay. Uh, and yeah, there was both male and female seers, uh, although it does seem like it was mainly mostly a female thing, kind of, you know, tied into sorcery. They're also males. There was a little bit of a social taboo, and they were sometimes persecuted, which is interesting if you kind of think about this guy being kind of a little bit of an outsider. Yeah, he's he's never really seen, like, in the city. Right, at all. People. Right. Like, people just go out to see him, and he lives in this little shack out in the middle of nowhere. Right, almost kind of like he's a leper kind of thing, and he is kind of blind. And, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, I guess that's... That's something that we should uh, maybe mention for people who haven't seen the show. The seer doesn't have any eyes. <laughs> like, yeah. his face is is pretty horribly misfigured, and he has no eyes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, it's yeah, the the seer is definitely refers to prophecies and, 
and stuff like that. So yes, I don't I don't know again how accurate this particular one would be, but it does look like there were figures within the Norse world who would have filled this role, and they were somewhat social outcasts who you might have sought out to hear your future. So I, I do think that's actually probably a good representation then. Again, with how messed up he is and the no eyes thing and the not sure if he's quite human thing, that's maybe a bit of a stretch. Maybe more of the Auslag version, but then also then more socially, ostrac- socially ostracized like we do see in the show. Um, and it's just a practice that gradually declined as, you know, Christianity came in. So that kind of makes sense as well. I want to say too, wasn't there, weren't there photos? I'm pretty sure there were photos from your Viking Museum album that mentioned like characters from the show. And I think the seer was one of them. Oh, shoot. Well, that's probably worth looking up again real quick. <laughs> Here we go. Yep. The seer. They call him the S-A-I, or sorry, S-I-A-R-E-N. Oh, right, right, Because right, that's more of those Scandinavian spelling. Yeah. It says the seer predicts and foretells which which were rather female attributes during the Viking Age. So that makes sense from based on what you're saying. A male seer did not earn the same respect as a female version or the seeress. And then it has the word vulva there. V-O with an umlaut L-V-A. Okay. So, yeah, interesting. What's interesting, <laughs> interesting too is that that, uh, that Norse spelling there is very similar to like siren if you think of like Odysseus yeah. and stuff. Right. A little bit different role, but yeah, interesting. So then we quickly have, so after, is, is in season, sorry, in episode one is when Ligertha leaves with Bjorn. Mm-hmm. And then episode two, which is kind of weird, they do a four-year jump, but they do it an episode into season two. So instead of having the jump between seasons one and two, we kind of use episode one of season two to kind of bridge the gap and connect us to season one. Yeah. And then yeah. in episode two, we now jump forward four years, and we now see the actor who plays Bjorn the whole rest of the series. Right. With that dumb haircut <laughs> so he basically plays bjorn for you i basically argue like age 17 to age 40 right would be i mean pretty much well and like everybody in the show does that though like uh lagertha is the same you know she's supposed to be like maybe in her 20s at the beginning of the show and then by the end she's she's maybe in her 50s i get yeah. so you could argue I... she's going from 25 to 50 maybe but yeah they're 25 <laughs> to 55 obviously she didn't look 55, but yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a little, it's not perfect, frankly. I mean, she's just, because right. I'm trying to think. The, now, I do think the actress playing Lagertha, I looked at, because I remember thinking this before, that she seems too close to the actor who's playing Bjorn's age. But I do think she's like 13 years older than him or something like that. So you think at that time, if she would have had their eldest kid at like 15 or 16 and then had Bjorn, again, within the context of the show, had Bjorn when she was like 17, that's real, very realistic. And then so the show starts and Bjorn's like 12, so, she's like 29. That kind of works mm, out. She's 43. Bjorn is 29. Yeah. So yeah. So they're four. Yeah. So again, that's, that actually isn't a so horrible split. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If anything, it just gets weirder when, I don't know. I, honestly, I think, I and mean, this isn't anything about ability. The actor playing Bjorn, I think, just ages up more realistically, and I'm not sure why. Because usually that's not the case. You wouldn't that a 29 year old guy. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can buy him as 40. They just have him so haggard, and you, you can like be almost like just track Bjorn's skin and face and how they do the show. They they definitely age him up as it goes. Yeah. He just gets more battle hardened and sun beaten and tattooed right. over the years versus Lagatha being this you know beautiful woman actor. So I guess if anything, she was actually probably paying a little younger than her age. Maybe you could argue she was maybe in her early to mid thirties playing late twenties. Right. And then by right. the end of the show, she's in her 
you know, early 40s and trying to pass for 50s, I guess. But they don't age her up as much, though, too. It's hard to age her up. Yeah. But with with uh, Bjorn, though, he he's, you know, the, the male characters definitely have the added benefit of their facial hair. So, like, when he's clean shaven. That's fair. At the very beginning with, like, still that little kid haircut, he looks a lot younger. And then when he gets, like, the long, you know, like mohawk braid yeah yeah with uh with the you know the giant beard and all the head tattoos like yeah. then he looks older <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair <laughs> although you look back too it just they did do a good job you look at like the pictures of season one ragnar versus whatever the last season ragnar was in ragnar and yep. i'm like dang that actor aged 20 years <laughs> like yeah you know, of course he seem in real life and he looks like more like in the middle or more like the young ragnar but yeah Rolo too. They make him look a little more kind of yeah. uh, disheveled. Yeah, they did a good job with uh, Floki for sure. Same kind of thing. Yep, they, they did a good job a- aging them up. So yeah, so then we start getting a little more of the the sons of Ragnar. With uh, three of them are born. This actually no, the, 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 his four sons with Aslog are all born this season, which is Ube, yep. Hitzerk, uh, Sigurd, Snake in the Eye, and Ivar the Boneless. All born this season, actually. Over they do, they definitely cover a lot of time then, so it's coming years. And I think all four of them are they're all historical, right? I know at least Ivar the Boneless is. Yeah, no, I I I, I believe they are. And again, it's it, Ragnar is legendary, but these right. four, along with Bjorn and actually a couple others that the show doesn't even mention, mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense though too. So if you're these early historical figures that kind of that have kind of become famous and the, the seer even kind of famously says that oh your sons will be more famous than you and it just kind of makes sense it's kind of like you know the greeks wanting to be sons of the gods it's almost kind of right. like that it's like it's easy yeah. for the historians to say well and of course you know they were a son of ragnar lothbrook i'm like oh well that makes sense they were so cool right well and you you even see examples of this like uh alexander the great was like famously his mom told him like your dad's not your real dad your dad is actually zeus like right and so but like obviously in that case we have good enough historical records that we know that you know she was full of shit but in this case <laughs> like the historical record isn't good enough so like the only thing that we see is these kids saying i was you know they're the son of ragnar lothbrook and like okay right who's also not the equivalent of zeus or odin he's a person who may have existed or right. may have been an amalgamation we just don't have good records so there's, right. there's a fair chance these men were all sons of a historical ragnar lothbrook a person named ragnar right yeah. right or again they may not even have been brothers they could have been half brothers there's just a million million possibilities and we just not don't have good enough records but yes these are all all real people which is again now and of course then the show kind of completely invents most of the details of their lives i believe with bjorn less so i thought when we get bjorn to, more into bjorn in later seasons we'll definitely see things that the actual Bjorn Ironside did that mm. the show does depict, which is kind of neat. This is also the season where he gets the name Ironside. So after one of their battles, when they're back over in England fighting, and they win the battle, and Bjorn is unscathed, not a mark on him, and you yeah. know, or not, you know, no injury or whatever. So Ragnar proudly says, declares this kind of there to everyone, Look at my son Bjorn, not a mark on him. He is made of iron. He is Bjorn Ironside. And just like the, the, yeah. the birth of the nickname. And again, it's kind of a cool moment when, again, the historical Bjorn was nicknamed. Now, we don't know the origin of why he was called Ironside, right. but that was what he went by. So I don't know. I just, right. just kind of dig those little moments. 
And it's it's cool too to see like how seriously that's taken by other characters of the show. Like there are even characters like later on that want to kill him, like they want to assassinate him, but they're like, Oh, but he's Bjorn Ironside, like we how are we ever gonna kill this guy? Like we we gotta, you know, really pull out all the stops so they need like they they're trying to get like the uh the spirit realm involved and like the guy that they send to kill him it, like outweighs him by probably a hundred pounds. Like it's cool to see that you know, it's more than just a nickname. Like, everyone bought into it. Yes, yes. Kind of fits with what you would think about times where people were more superstitious and all those kinds of things. And yeah, you you, yeah. you would, you know, convince yourself that, oh, Bjorn is actually blessed by the gods or favored by the gods and not someone we want to mess with, maybe. And then, you know, his father's building him up. And again, it kind of makes sense that you think about leading into times when people saw kings as being divinely chosen it's like yeah you can kind of see like how they would have thought that like we talked about with all our discussions on ramses the second how it's hard to believe they weren't put there by god when the you see some of the things yeah, they sure. either accomplished or just the awe the awe they kind of built around or mystique they built around these people i want to talk a little bit because we didn't talk too much about king horik of denmark who again the show may not be just kind of like the heavy thing. It seems like they're just kind of rounding everything toward Norway. Yeah. I know yeah. there are times in the show where they mention Denmark, but King Horik and his involvement in Norway does not really seem to be one of those times. And they just kind of used him as a, a proxy, I guess. But again, there was a historical King Horik. I'd say around this time, we mentioned last time, the show is very, very soft with its timeline, but picking the middle of the ninth century for most of the show, it would be about the best guess you could get. And King Horik ruled until he died in 854, which you, know, you could almost use as a milestone for kind of maybe placing the show. He does die at the end of this season. So if you wanted to say this, this season ends around 854, it's probably about as good a guess as any. Yeah. And he did uh, fight in Norway. So obviously he was active there. And then another major one who's kind of an interesting character I don't know if one of my favorite characters is the right way to say because he definitely does some things I don't always agree with, but King Egbert, Egbert of, of Wessex, I think at first, we talked about the Seven Kingdoms at the beginning, I'd always kind of seen Wessex as the London area. Essex is actually more where London was, which is probably why they don't really mention London as being his capital here. Wessex is more maybe centered on what is now Bath and quite a bit west of London, quite a bit being relative. Obviously, the great island of Great Britain is not <laughs> very big, but... Did London exist at this time? That's probably why. Was London, oh, when, when, when was London founded? Um, okay, so it says London's founding can be traced to 43 CE. Oh, Londinium. Yeah, it's an old Roman town, right? Yeah. But it might not have been significant for a long time. Let's see. Anglo. Okay, here we go. Anglo- Anglo-Saxon London. So, it and looking at a map of the kingdoms as a whole, it looks like London is kind of in the area that is... There's four, it's like a four corners situation. So Essex, Sussex, Kent, and Mercia, their borders all kind of meet around where London is today. So I I wonder if it like switched hands, but definitely Wessex looks like it's too far west. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going to look up to the capital of Wessex then, because they, because they have a, they have a capital. We see Eckbert kind of in the capital and they leave the capital and the Vikings come in, but they don't ever say what town that is, do they? I don't. I don't think so. Not. Not to my knowledge. Uh, it says a town named Wilton was the ancient capital of Wessex uh, okay. near modern Salisbury. 
But Ekberg was actually buried in Winchester, about 20 miles east of here. So there's even kind of some debate over where he would have actually ruled from. And so maybe the show is just kind of making like an amalgamation of the two and just leaving it unnamed. But this general area near modern Winchester and Salisbury would have been where he ruled. And actually, let's get into a few more quick notes on King Egbert here before we wrap this up. He was actually born in Kent, the son of the King of Kent, but he did have like a probable ancestral claim to Wessex. But when the King of Wessex died, he kind of tried unsuccessfully to get that throne, ends up exiled over in France or Francia, whatever you want to call it, with Charlemagne. So he's actually a contemporary of Charlemagne, hung out over in Charlemagne's court while he couldn't really come safely back to England. Mercy at the time was the dominant force, and when kind of the King of Mercy and the King of Wessex died roughly at the same time, Ecbert comes back, does successfully take the throne or get named to the throne of Wessex, and kind of the reason that he's in this show in the first place is he does become kind of the dominant force in the area, and it's while Ecbert is King of Wessex that it shifts from Mercia being top dog in the region to Wessex being top dog in the region, and Wessex takes over a lot of territory previously under the influence of Mercia, even takes over Mercia at one point, and up into Northumbria, where he at least gets the king of Northumbria to bow to him or bend the knee, I guess you might say. Does kind of then lose a lot of that territory, and Mercia regains some of its autonomy, but the net result is still a much stronger Wessex that he then passes off to his son, Aethelwulf, after his death. So, that's kind of the short, short version of King Eckbert. Very significant for this region and definitely a major player in England during his lifetime. Okay, so yes, a little bit all over the place as we kind of, as promised, but uh, we will continue talking about the rest of season two of Vikings next time. So stay tuned.